appreciation to Pastors Tony and Bethany Winkler, the host church, host pastors here at My Refuge Church Vicksburg. They love you, Pastor, 19 years. You've been here 19 years. Wow, Miss Bethany, you've been here 19 years. That's unheard of, unheard of. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you for raising up some wonderful children. Thank you for gifting Jared into our lives and Kaylee into our lives. Thank you so much for everything that you have done for us. And so tonight, I wanted to just say here for a moment, if you don't know who I am, not that it really matters, but my name is John Skipworth. And I believe the media team's probably got a picture of, of what I would consider my best asset in life. That pretty girl there to my side is my wife now working on our 10th year of marriage. She's everything that I'm not. She's certainly the better half of the whole equation. And uh, I just am so blessed to get to do life with my wife, Brooke. And then those little girls now, because some time has gone by, the one under my arm is not actually the biggest anymore, but she is the oldest. That's Finley Lart, a.k.a. John F., John Jr. And the middle daughter is, oh, Lord, she's bigger than her older sister now, and she is a reincarnation of my wife's sister, Macy. She's Macy Jr., but she's the sweetest little girl. And this little guy was the best baby. I'm telling you, he was the best baby. But something happened the day he turned two, and I need my child to come back. This is not my, he is a mess now. Screams, hollers, knows everything, tells you what to do, won't let you get stuff accomplished around the house. He's a boss of everything. He is a mess, and that's my son Foster. And they're in Rochester, Minnesota tonight waiting on me to come home in a couple of days where my wife and I now have the privilege and honor of uh, pastoring one of the great flagship Assembly of God churches of the upper Midwest. Let me just get it straight for you. It is not the north. The north is the upper east coast. We would say Yankees. My church in Rochester, Minnesota is in the heartland of America. Big rolling alfalfa hills, corn and soybean, grassroots, voted conservatively in the midterm election. And it is a beautiful, beautiful city. Uh, right there, the home of the Mayo Clinic, Hormel Foods, and the IBM business network to the world. Our church is doing great. This year, I'm proud to say of God and of our board and our team had the best financial year in the church's 90 plus six years history and also had the best numerical year in the church's 96 year history. All thanks to Jesus. We had 2,300 this year for Easter. Saw 300 people walk the aisle, fill out a card, make a first time decision for Christ and follow Jesus in the waters of baptism. So God is just really on the move. Best compliment. Best compliment I've been paid in all of Minnesota. As a pastor walked in, I didn't know who he was. I believe his name is Pastor Tom Johnson. I believe he pastors Red Wing Assembly of God, just to make sure I'm telling the truth here. And he walked in the office one day, and he said, Hi, I just wanted to meet you, and I wanted you to know who I am. And he said, You are my example. And I said, What do you mean? You're 30 years older than me. You've been a pastor long. He said, no, all these people up here in the Midwest that say people aren't hungry for Pentecostalism and spirit-filled ministry, he said, I say, what about John Skipworth in Rochester? He said, so, brother, I just want you to know thank you for what you're doing here in Rochester. And even the people in the upper Midwest are hungry for the spirit of God and a move of God. Amen? Amen. Anybody hungry in this place tonight? Anybody believe God's going to do something great? Well, hey, I want to go a little bit different direction tonight. I pray. Um, specifically for meetings when I have an opportunity to, to, to speak at or preach at a series of meetings. I, and I have friends here that know this is true. I lay out those messages specifically as the Lord tells me, night by night by night, what I feel like the Lord is going to say. Probably one of the wildest confirmations I've had in a very long time is after I preached what I preached last night, the pastor that drove from the other side of Mississippi came here, burnout, saying he needed a sign from God to stay in the ministry, to keep pouring out. And I started, got on this crazy tangent about there's no room in the end, there's no vacancies, wasn't even in my notes. I was preaching on the empty house about the spirit leaving a man and bringing seven spirits back. And the brother walked up when he checked in the Holiday Inn before he came to church, he stopped in the room and he took a picture of a sign that says, sorry, sold out, no vacancies, the inn is full. And he brought the picture and he brought it up at the end of service and showed it to the pastor. And so I feel pretty spot on at this point as to what God's been doing night by night. 
I believe I heard from God today while I was taking some time to just clear my head and think and standing around a, a, a stock bass pond catching some fish today. I was going a different direction, and I feel like the Lord told me to just talk to you tonight on this Tuesday night. Honestly, can we just be real? You know, it's it's four experiences in now. It's Tuesday. It's midweek. We're edging towards hump day. So, so there's a little lull. Crowd's full. Lots of people here. Excitement's in the air. Presence of God's here. But but still, there's just that natural ugh that we're all starting to feel. You know, everybody's driving from all over and working during the day and doing this and doing that. And so I really felt like the Lord was saying to me, just be authentic instead of just trying to push, push, push and 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 pump and and try to maybe jar something loose and make something happen just to talk to you tonight out of the overflow of my heart about one of my favorite Bible scriptures in the entire New Testament. So if you have a Bible tonight, it's probably one of your favorite Bible scriptures in all of the New Testament. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And if you come from a spirit-filled background, an assembly of God background, church of God background, a Pentecostal background, I'm sure this is very close to one of your favorite New Testament scriptures. Tonight, the title of the message is very simply, Mira, Mira. So appropriately, I have asked that somebody, who are you? Who brought me this mirror tonight? I need to know who I'm going to owe $9 to when I tear this thing up tonight. Um, I asked, would someone bring a mirror here tonight? You know, I'm, I'm going to do this several times throughout the evening and, and just shine this mirror so you can get a good gander at yourselves tonight. You know, I'm looking out across here tonight, and I see my buddy Philip Williams. Boy, he got dressed. If, if Brandy's anything like Brooke, he, she probably laid his clothes out for, probably laid his clothes out for, now I know Casey don't lay your clothes out for you, I know, but over here I do know what's happening. We married the same kind of people. I like it. She sets them out. My buddy David Masters told me today, he said, I'm so glad Brooke started buying you straight leg jeans instead of skinny jeans. In case you didn't know it, you don't have a skinny jean figure. Just making it lighthearted at my expense tonight. But I'm going to shine this shine this mirror out across here tonight so you can get a good look at yourself. As I look out across here tonight, I want you to know just a couple of things. Man, you look nice. Man, I, I, I thank you for being here, for putting the effort into God. You know, here's a promise. The Bible says in James 4 and 7, you draw nigh unto God, he draws nigh unto you. So any effort that you make to press into God always goes rewarded and will never go unrewarded. Even if it's just simply cutting Fox News off on Sirius XM radio and turning on Pandora with worship music. When you make that small effort to draw near to him, he always delivers and draws near unto you. So tonight, I know coming into this thing that God's already divinely promised and sworn himself, bound himself to meet us all here tonight and to do in our lives what we're asking and looking, believing for him to do. Thank you for being here. You look so pretty tonight and so handsome. I can tell some of you let your wife pick out your clothes. I can tell some of you actually bothered to get the shaving cream out and, and use the razor a little bit. I smelt a few of you because I'm a hugger, and I can tell some of you put on aftershave and perfume and deodorant. Thank you for that. We really appreciate you doing that. The Lord Jesus is in deodorant. Tonight, I just want you to get a good look at yourselves. And you know, when I shine this mirror out here, what's happening is most of you are wincing, probably from the glare. But a few of you, I've seen it in your eyes. When I show you yourself in the mirror, you immediately look the other way. Most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, when we look in these things, we're really not happy with what we see. Honestly, now listen, anything can become routine. Did you know the human mind can rationalize and justify anything? You can listen to the wrong advice, the wrong influences, surround yourself with the wrong network, and you can rationalize, Jeffrey Dahmer, eating people. The human mind can rationalize, justify anything. You can become vain in your repetition you can become desensitized in going to the mirror in the morning and shaving and combing your hair and putting on your deodorant and throwing on your clothes and walking away. 
But if there's anybody in here tonight that's honest, I would bet you by some of the grimaces in your face already that there are times in the course of a week or in the course of a month or in the course of a year where you actually slow down, not in the day-to-day routine, not in the desensitized rush of life of taking a gander at yourself and getting dressed, combing your hair, putting on your deodorant and rushing out the door with your coffee in your hand to work. Sometimes I bet you when you slow down and you really take a look at what you see in the mirror, you start noticing, like me, new wrinkles. Just to be funny again at my own expense, I don't know what's going on, but like right here, I got a cluster of like 19 gray hairs. Now I got a few, a a dusting, a frosting happening. Brooke's been telling me. I said, they're blonde. She said, baby, those are not blonde. I said, Brooke, that's blonde hair. That's blonde hair. But right here, all of a sudden, there's like, it's not one mixed in with a bunch of black ones. It's the whole little thing's black, uh, gray. Son, I've never owned a pair of tweezers in my life. I got two sets now. One I leave in the bathroom, one I travel. I pluck every one of them little gray suckers every time I see them. I'm being funny at my own expense, but if you're like me, sometimes when you really slow down, Jonathan, you take a look in the mirror, you say, man, I hadn't been hitting Planet Fitness enough. Man, the heat's taking it out of me. Man, I'm working really. Man, where'd this wrinkle come from? Where'd this gray hair come from? Oh, where'd this receding hairline come from? My boy, Rich Wilkerson. Do you see what happened? See what he did? He got a bald spot right in the middle. He said, nobody will know I got a bald spot in the middle if I just shave my head. He just shaved his head like 30 years old. It happens. But what I'm really getting at is not necessarily the surface level, superficial, exterior earth suit, shell, body that many of us are even appalled at when we stop long enough to take a gander and a look in the mirror that most of us honestly are unhappy with. But sometimes our eyes look a little bit deeper. You know, Jesus said, the light of a man's soul is in his eyes. Sometimes... You look in that mirror and you can see into your own soul. Sometimes I look in that mirror and and I remember the things that I did as a young man and it still hurts. Honestly, it hurts more today than it hurt when I was 19, when I was on drugs or when I was stoned or when I was radical or when I was careless and reckless. Sometimes when I stop and I take a look in that mirror, all of a sudden I become dissatisfied, unhappy, not pleased with the human being that I am, the way that I've acted, the way that I've treated people, the actions that I've carried out, the attitudes that I've displayed. And what I'm getting at, even though all of you look very nice tonight, is that if you're anything like me and that's ever an occurrence in your week or month or your year, it leads to a marred self-image. It leads to a faith that you may never proclaim that you have, but a faith of what you believe about your own self. And it goes deeper. It leads to a belief system about your abilities, what I can do, what I can accomplish, how far I can go in life, what I can achieve, what doors of opportunity will open for me, what will be my future tomorrow, how happy will I be in my marriage, how good will I be at parenting. Because the truth of the matter is, oftentimes when we look in these mirrors, we look at ourselves knowing that we're less than, knowing that we're not, and we're dissatisfied, we're marring, and it determines our expectancy for our lives and our futures. Tonight, I want to talk about mirror men. And I want to talk about the rest of my comments tonight will be centered around the subject of what do you see? What do you see? What do you see? I'm telling you, I see a bunch of beautiful people. I see a bunch of handsome people. I see godly people. I see people that God would go through anything, even the sacrificial death of his own son, to save because he loves you and you're so valuable to him. You're so precious to him. He's so enthralled by you and enamored by you. That's what I see. But the same way that you wince when I show you your own image in the mirror, most of us, when somebody begins to speak positively over us like that, when somebody begins to brag on us or affirm us, we wince under their approval because it's unfamiliar to us and we're not comfortable with somebody speaking positively over our own selves because many of us believe we're only better than them. 
He's talking to us all tonight out of the overflow of my own heart. Here's what 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says, But we all, with unveiled faces, as beholding in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we're being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. I want you to bow your heads. Father, I know you're already here tonight. I sense you and I feel you. God, I'm asking you to not let me get ahead of you, not let me lag behind you. God, not let me over-preach you. Father, I'm asking tonight your anointed word flow through me as a yielded and neutral vessel that you would accomplish the work that you desire in the hearts and the lives of all of your people tonight. In Jesus' name, if somebody would agree with me for that, say amen. You know, I did some research when I was putting this message together a few months back, and according to the mental health statistics that can be found online in just the United States of America, the mental health professionals in our nation say that millions and millions of Americans are affected with the symptoms of what I just described. Millions and millions of Americans are unhappy and dissatisfied with what they see in the mirror. Millions and millions of Americans are unhappy not only with the balding hair, with the wrinkles, with the receding hairline, and with the shapes and the size and the heights and the colors and all that, but honestly, it even goes deeper, saying that millions of Americans, when they look into their eyes, the window of their soul, they're unhappy with the people they are, the people they become, and what their futures will be. So today, you may have heard that antidepressants are on the rise. Yes, the nation's trying to cure an opioid addiction in the wake of heroin addictions. But did you know there's another epidemic sweeping this nation today? It's called, I don't feel good. I can't sleep at night. I don't like me. I don't like my boss. My children won't behave. It's ADD for the adult world. It's Ritalin for the adult world. It's, oh, I've got a pill for that. I've got an antidepressant pill called Zoloft and Paxil and on and on and on. I can help you function. I can help you get along. I can help you like you and I will Medicate you into your miracle. It's on the rise. But the truth of the matter is, not only are millions and millions of Americans not happy with what they look like and, and who they are, but the truth of the matter is, many of us in this room are those people. And I just want to step to this sacred desk tonight with a burning word in my heart, an overflow of my own life. And I want to say to you something up front before we go any further. I want, before you leave out of here tonight, that every time you look into this mirror, you don't see what you used to see before you walked in here. You say, that's bold. Who do you think you are? That's audacious. It has zero to do with me. And you bet, it is very bold. And it is audacious. But I'm asking God tonight that the next time you slow down and you look in a mirror, you don't see what you used to see. You ready for this? They're going to throw it on the screen. Point number one, I want you to see the glory the next time you look in the mirror. The next time you look in the mirror, I want you to see the glory. Now listen, here's what this verse says. But we all, with unveiled faces, as beholding in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. I'm going to take us through the 6,000 years of human history. Somebody said, this sermon just got really long. I'm going to do it hopefully in three minutes. The Bible says in the book of Genesis that God created a man out of the dust of the ground. This man's name was Adam. This man's name was Adam. It says, so God created Adam in his own image. And in the image, which is a synonymous word in the Hebrew language for glory, in the image or in the glory of God, he created them both male and female, not just Adam. The reason I slowed down and I read that verse to us all tonight is, is I want you to know that if God became a person, hint, 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 by the way, he did. His name was Jesus. If God became a person, he would look like you. Who sang that song? Chad will probably know this. What if God was one of us? Well, he did become one of us. And the fact that you look like the way you look with a head, with eyes, with a nose, with ears, with hands, with feet. All of those features is a testimony that that's how God would look should God become a man. 
But not only did God create you in his image, I just need that to set in, that wow, I was created in the image and the glory of God. You know, I've never really liked this about me, but preacher, now that you got me thinking about it, if this is what God would look like, if this is what God thought I should look like, well, I guess I could be okay with what God would look like or what God wanted me to look like because he's God. And if God's okay with me, how come I can't be okay with me? But God, who is a triune being, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, created you as a triune being. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. Now check this out. Most people stop at I'll just call level number one. Level number one would be the exterior shell, the earth suit, the facade. Most people think, okay, I'm buying in. I just, you, I, yeah, I clap for you. That's good. Woo, I can like me because God wanted me to look like this. Hallelujah. But hold on, wait a minute. There's level two. See, God is a spirit. God's not a body. God's not a mold. God is a spirit. And so, because you were created in the image and the glory of God, you actually are a spirit. You are not a body. That body is just your mode of operation in this earth. It gives you legal access to operate and be an authority here. But one day, that spirit that God breathed, that ruach, when he breathed it in Adam's nose and God gave man the creative power. Listen, you, you want me to just solve the argument about homosexuality or lesbianism right now? The fruit of God's blessing is only on procreation between a man and a woman. A man and a man can't bear children. A woman and a woman can't bear children because it doesn't have God's blessing. End of debate. What God intended, the traditional family, the traditional view as they would call it today, between a man and a woman. And the seal of God's blessing is in procreation, that people were given the authority by God who breathed the spirit into Adam's nostrils to procreate and for that same spirit to transfer from seeds and embryo cells and become living organisms in other people. And only a man and a woman can do that because that's the only thing that God blessed. End of story. Not even to deal with anatomy, not only even to deal with the scripture. We can leave all that out. The only seal and sign of God's blessing is between a man and a woman. But the truth of the matter is you are not a body. You are a spirit. And your spirit has a soul so closely intertwined to it, which is your will, your emotions, your anger, your temperature, your, 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 your perspective, your outlook, your feelings, your emotions. That thing is so closely intertwined to your soul, to your spirit rather, that the Bible says it takes the word of God to decide and decipher what a soul and what a spirit. There are some things that need spiritual ministering to. There are some things that that and and needing. There are some things that need God to touch. There are some aspects of your person, of your body, your spiritual side that need God to touch. That only the Word of God can differentiate. If this needs, if He needs it in His soul, or if He needs it in His spirit, and man can't do that. But God's Word can minister healing to your spirit, and it can minister humbling to your soul. How many of you know God's word is a double-edged sword? It'll cut you, it'll heal you, but it'll also tear you down. God's word will edify the part of you that's broken, but he'll humble the part of you that's haughty and prideful. But watch this. So you are a spirit, you live in a body, and you have a soul. Sounds like a triune being to me, just like God. All I'm drumming on right here is to prove to you that you not only look the way that you look because God wanted you to look that way, and if God was to become a man, he would look just like you, so why don't you just settle on that and be okay with it for a little while, that God's okay with it, why don't you be okay? But God actually went deeper than level one. He went to level two, and he put a spirit inside of you, and that spirit inside of you that's making you think you need Paxil, making you think you need Zoloft, making you think you need Lortab, making you think you need marijuanas, making you think you need an affair, making you think you need a drink— God can do something with that spirit that you'll never need any of that other stuff again because God created that spirit. You were created in his image, but whoa, 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 whoa. There's a whole 
third part. There's a third level called the soulish realm. That part of you that gets upset, gets in a tizzy, gets ready to cuss somebody out, pull out your sword like Peter and cut an ear off. And the God who created you in his image, yeah, on the first level, he created you, son, to look the way that you look. But secondly, he created you with a spirit because God is a spirit. And what God's really wanting is your spirit to connect with his spirit. And when those two start connecting, God can do some things in your spirit that your mama couldn't do with you, that your daddy couldn't do with you. And oh, by the way, when your girlfriend broke up with you, when your wife ran off and left you and took all the money, when everybody started treating you ridiculous and your emotions got all up in the air and you were ready to quit, throw in the towel, walk away, burn it all down, that same God that gave you those emotions can roll up in your living room when you got a crack pipe over your mouth and heal your emotions, take that pipe from you, set you free, and give you peace in the valley. He created you that way. He knows what he's doing. I just want you to know you were created in the image and the glory of God. Say, love, that just needs to set on you. Just rest in that. Hey, I'm fine. How many of you like, just don't be honest. I'm not asking you if you like Republicans or Democrats, but how many of you honestly like that Trump gets mad? (laughs) I like it. I like it. I'm not saying to vote for Trump. I'm not saying to vote. Hey, listen, my salvation is not in the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. My salvation is in Jesus. Honestly, I like the fact that my wife is quiet and she's sweet and everybody thinks. But listen, there is nobody on this planet that can clean my closet like my wife. And I need it cleaned about twice a week. And she does it for I like that. I like that she's fiery. I like that she, you know what? God made you that way. The God that made you that way can help you grow and develop and mature. Stop trying to be a cheap carbon copy, a replica of what you think desperate housewife you should be. Stop trying to be what they want you to be. Be who God wants you to be. Be okay with how you look. Be okay with how you think. Be okay with how you feel. Be okay with being in love with him and having a spiritual connection. I'm just, let me get back on track. Help me, Jesus. I just want you to know you were created in the image and the glory of God. Have I drunk? Have I beat the horse enough? Do you believe it now? Do you believe it? Okay. Number two, you were created in the image and the glory of God. He created them, male and female, in the image of God. All right, just one more time. You look like God. You feel like God. You think like God. You react like God. Stop running from him. You got it? He did not make a mistake. You don't need doctor, nobody, to fix that. I've been around a few years, and man has never made anything close to what God created. I get. I look at those new GMC pickups, those new, and I'm like, wow, man, that is. I look at those 18 head corn combines going through the fields. I say, man, that is a, a far. I, I look at those rockets flying to the moon. I say, wow, that's an incredible creation. How was man inventive enough? How was he ingenuitive enough to create that? And then I just look at you and I go, but man, they never made nothing like that. Man, they never made nothing like you. Be okay with being the way God wants you to be. Now watch this. You are the image and the glory of God. Here's a little bit more. This guy named Nicodemus who came to Jesus by the cover of night, and I don't have time to go into all that. He was a leading teacher of the Pharisees, of the religious Jews in Jesus' day. He came to Jesus by night in John chapter 3, and he said, Jesus, we know that thou hast come from God, for no man does the works that you do. No man could do what you do unless God be with him. And Jesus said to him, Nicodemus, you're close, but a man cannot enter the kingdom of heaven unless he be born again. Nicodemus said, how can a man who's 40 years old and grown with a beard and a mustache enter back into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus said, son, how is it that you're a teacher of the nation of Israel? You really need to sit down right now and stop teaching because you don't know as much as you think you know. That's the John Skipworth version. And Jesus said, listen. That which is born of flesh is flesh. God gave your mama and your daddy traditional family 
his blessing to procreate and to create you. God's already ordained that. And when you were created, you were made in his image. All of you. But watch this. He said, but there is this other dimension of DNA called the spirit. And your mama and daddy flesh gave birth to your flesh. But the spirit can come, capital S, and regenerate your human spirit and leave the residue of a deposit from heaven and a new dimension of glory. Now, how many of you in this room, after the fourth night we've been together, you go to church every day of your life, say, I'm born again. Say, oh, I'm born again. Raise your hand if you're born again. All right, so I've, I have accomplished two points tonight. So all I'm trying to accomplish, even though I'm going slow and teaching, talking out of the overflow, my heart's preaching a little bit along the way. It's good enough for you, it's good enough for me. All right, check this out. Number one, you look like God. And that ought to be good enough for you. Number two, you just raised your hand and said you were born again. And I just showed you from the scriptures that the capital S represented the Holy Spirit. And if you believe you were born again, there was another regeneration of your spirit that left another deposit of glory inside of you. You look like God. You bear his image. You have his glory. But if you believe you were born again, there is another image of his glory that you bear. How many of you are born again? All right, you ready for this? How many of you know somebody's backslidden? I know somebody right now is backslidden. I stayed, I stayed up talking, arguing with somebody at 1 o'clock in the morning last night that's backslidden. And a friend of mine said to him, he needs to get saved again. You know what the truth is? We feel that way. We think that way. But your spirit can never be born again. Again. You're either born again or you're not. Listen to me. That one-third of you that is spirit is as born again as it will ever be. Your spirit will never be any more born again in eternity. One-third of you was regenerated wall-to-wall Holy Spirit. That spirit inside of you that was regenerated who made you look like God's spirit, it's just like God. There is another dimension of his glory. Where at? In you. So what I just proved to you tonight is, number one, when you look in the mirror, even if you just look on the surface level and your buddy tells you, you got to get out of them skinny jeans, son, and get you some straight legs. I say, hey, I like your wisecracks and your jokes, but don't get it twisted, player. I look like God, and I'm happy with it. <laughs> Number two, what I'm trying to show you tonight is if you slow down and you look in the mirror long enough and you start looking in the window of your soul, your eyes, you start remembering your old hurts, your habits, your hang-ups, your failures, you need to look past that old man and you need to see the new man that was regenerated wall-to-wall, one-third, Holy Spirit, just like Almighty God. And you need to be able to see that in you instead of what the world says is in you. All right, now, that's just two dimensions. How many of you know there's one more? You got time for one more? We just in the introduction. And I ain't even tore the mirror up yet. Number three, third dimension. How many of you got baptized in the Holy Spirit last night? How many of you got baptized in the Holy Spirit? How many spoke in tongues last night? All right. How many of you are baptized in the Holy Spirit? How many of you have ever felt that, that, that overflow of the Holy Spirit in your life? So for those of us that have been baptized in and with the Holy Spirit, can I? Let me, I heard Pastor explaining last night. I love. I have discovered that the best way to see people born again and baptized with the Holy Spirit is to get people stirred up, fired up, get people full of faith, and let the Holy Spirit do His thing. Later, you got to come back and clean some of that up. Later, you got to come back and teach some of that. But I've never seen people teaching and trying to clean it up, and then somebody just jump up and take a Derrico lap around the church, start speaking in tongues. It don't happen that way. We're Westerners. We, we came out of the Greco-Roman gladiator theaters. That's why every pay-per-view, the next pay-per-view, when Conor McGregor comes back, will be the greatest in UFC history because we love entertainment and excitement and emotionalism. But for those of us that have been born again, baptized in and with the Holy Spirit, I want to tell you, that wasn't you getting more of God. That was God getting more of you. That's when the God that was already in you came over you, put you under, and then, then you knew, now I've been under. 
Oh, that's what he feels like. Oh, that's that sensation. Oh, now I know. That's you knowing. It kills unbelief. Tongues is a sign to unbelievers. Tongues kills the unbelief in you. When you go under and speak in tongues, it kills your unbelief. You start believing. Then you say, now I know. Now I know. But watch this. For those of us that have gone under that baptism and had the Holy Spirit, who was already in us, because you can't get born again without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads you to Christ, reveals Christ to you. He's the one that draws you in, convicts the world of sin. That's his job. He's the only divine act that God ever assigned to do that. But that Holy Spirit that's in you that all of a sudden wells up and you go under, when that happens, the Bible says this, that all of a sudden there is an awakening of a treasure that is hid down in a jar of clay, an earthen vessel that you didn't know was there. Sounds like the third dimension of another deposit of glory from God that is inside of you. There is a glory in your physical man. There is a glory in your spiritual man. And there is a glory for your emotional side, your soul man, known as the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And what I'm trying to get you to see tonight on all three of those level, next time you look in a mirror, my friend, you need to be able to see image and the glory of God. You need to be able to see your spirit born again. You need to see through the eyes of God. You need to be able to see in your soulless realm when Paxil can't help you, when Oprah ain't got the answer for you, when Dr. Phil don't know what to do, when Pastor Tony don't answer the phone, when the worship leader don't sing the right worship song, when the preacher don't preach the right message, that you can get alone like David did with the power of the Holy Ghost and strengthen yourself in the Lord your God. There is a deposit of glory on you. There's a deposit of glory in you, and you are the image of his glory. All right, point number one, put it back up on the screen. I took longer than three minutes. All I want you to see is what? All I want you to see the glory. And what I just did in 6,000 years of human history is show you there's a glory in all three realms of your existence. Am I in the book? Did I teach it straight down the middle? All right, now watch this. They're going to put point number two up. And when, and when, this starts happening for us when we start to see the glory that is actually on us and in us. It'll start transforming you from glory to glory. Let me show you this. Watch this. All right. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse 18. Here it is. But we all with unveiled faces beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Now, did you catch that? You probably never caught that before. I'm not trying to be prideful. I'm not trying to be arrogant. I'm just trying to tell you I'm spirit-filled. I'm Pentecostal. I read this book, read it every day of my life for 19 years, and wrote in the journal and pay and pray. But sometimes I look in this book, and I see things that I've never seen before. Has that ever happened to you? And what this verse just told us, but we all, watch this, with unveiled faces as beholding in a mirror are seeing the glory of the Lord. Now, my friend, I know that we grow up in this church in the Western world thinking that if we're going to see the glory of God, we got to run to Brownsville. If we're going to see the glory of God, we need to run to Bethel. If we're going to see the glory of God, we need to go to the Toronto Outpouring or maybe even the Bay of the Holy Spirit. My friend, if you are born again, created in the image and the glory of God, if you have a deposit of God inside of you that's regenerated you, that's baptized you, that's not true, even though it's popular preaching. God said if you want to see my glory, you need to go in your mirror, turn on the light switch and look at yourself because you are the image and you are the glory of Almighty God. I don't care if you're black. I don't care if you're white. I don't care if you're round. I don't care if you're thin. I don't care if you're rich. I don't care if you're poor. If you are breathing here tonight, God said, if you want to see my glory, go look at what I created in the mirror. You are the image and the glory of God. Say, oh, this is humanism. This is secularism. Where did you get this weird doctrine? Straight from the Holy Ghost, straight out of the Bible, and I'll prove it in just a minute. Watch this. But we all.
veil drawing are able to look in a mirror and we're able to see the image of the glory of God looking back at us. And watch this. And when you see that, it says it changes you from glory to glory. See, here's what we grew up thinking. The preacher's got to lay hands on you and transform your life from glory to glory. The worship song gets so powerful. Look, put it back on the screen. I didn't make it up. Put the verse on the screen. 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all now with the unveiled faces beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. All of a sudden the transformation starts happening from glory to glory when you finally wake up and they cry, hello, is anyone home and see the glory that's in you? The glory that's on you. The glory that not just the pianist has, not the glory just the preacher has, not just the glory the millionaire has, but the glory that God put on you. And when you can start seeing a different self-image instead of the marred self-image you've walked with your whole life, when you start letting the Bible shape what you believe instead of Dr. Field shape what you believe, when you start letting what God said about you be more preeminent and more predominant than what your wife said about you, it'll start changing you, the word will, from glory to glory to glory to glory. Somebody say, oh, I'm ready for a new level of glory. I'm ready for a new dimension. I'm ready. Oh, I hear you, buddy. Well, if you're ready, you need to get the veil off. You need to change the way you think by letting the word renew your mind. Because the word says the glory is already on you and the glory is already in you. Kind of sounds like put myself out of a job. Right? The glory ain't in this mantle. The glory ain't in the towel. The glory's in you. And when the veil, when the veil gets lifted through reading and studying the scripture, when you begin to see the glory that's in all three rooms, I just proved it to you. The way that you look at them bears the image and the glory of God. You're soulless man, hot tempered, hot blooded, angry, emotional, downcast. That bears the image and the glory of God. God wanted you to be that. And God sent the salvation of your soul to start changing that from the old fallen image to a new image. God sent that spirit you have, that breath that allows you to be animated and alive and gives you operation. God sent his spirit not only to regenerate your spirit, but that his spirit would go immersing all over you and put you under so that your spirit would all of a sudden come alive and realize, wow, this is who he is. Wow, this is what he feel like. To begin killing the unbelief, waking up the faith inside of you that dead government, I just have resolved, I am just like God. I didn't say you were God. I just said the glory of God is in you and on you. You ready for this? People are going to get mad, but here's what Jesus said. Didn't Jesus say the Old Testament said, are we not gods? Little G, not the divine God. But Jesus says, the Old Testament says, when he argued with the Pharisees, are we not gods? When they said, you make yourself equal to God. And he said, well, didn't the Bible say in the Old Testament we are gods? What he's trying to say is, no, you're not the one true supreme being God. But what I'm trying to tell you is the image and the glory of God is all over you. It's all in you. You don't have to go to Toronto for it. You don't have to go to the altar for it. you got to get the veil off to realize it's on you and it's in you. And watch this. Here's my favorite part. Point number two. You can put it on the screen. You can turn down the lights. I believe God's getting ready to help some people with some marred self-images. Wrap this thing up, land this plane. Circle twice around this version. Come on in, church home. Number three, you say, preacher, I believe you preached it right. I believe you preached the Bible. You got me. I'm in. But how come it ain't been working for me? You ready? Put the scripture back up on the screen, point number three, because it's the spirit. It's the spirit's word. Here it is. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse 18, one verse two. You say, oh, that's in there one verse two. Yeah, and you'll probably know it is if you're here. But we all now with unveiled faces are beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. When we begin to behold this glory that's in us now that we're looking at the glory of God inside of us just like a mirror, it starts transforming us into a new image from glory to glory. But it's actually the spirit of the Lord doing the work. You know what I discovered? That at the, at the courthouse, I saw my birth certificate. <laughs> Let me tell you how messed up my family was. Brooke gets such a kick out of this. Do you guys know my name? John E. Skipworth Jr. But that was not always my name. My name, my given name when I was born was Jonathan Paul Skipworth. 
And several days later, my biological father, father and my biological mother, who I never remember being together, who were always in that same conservative Catholic family that talked about going up there to visit my biological father, kissed his hand, sat down next to him, said, you know, ask him how it was. You want to talk about growing up a poster child for an identity. Who am I? What is my name? Who is my father? Is my stepdad my dad? Everybody said, there's nothing that doesn't look like me. But I got this other man's name. But even the name I had from him wasn't my real name. It was my whole life. But you know what I discovered even in the midst of all that? Yeah, that hurt me. It took a lot of time and effort. It took a lot of money to help me think about who I was in God and figure out who I was really not. trying to get at tonight is the reason many of us are not seeing this transformation from glory to glory is that we live in a self-help world. We live in a performance-based society. When kids make good grades on a report card, we give them $20 and we grow up as humans when we work extra and over time we get paid time and a half. We grow up in this reward performance-based society where we feel like we have to work our way into glory. Work our way into glory. Work our way into being a new person. Work our way into being saved. Work our way into walking it out. Work our way into being good enough to sing and good enough to play. And you saying don't have morals to lose? Heck no. I'm saying you better have top morals to lose. But I'm saying you don't get good and then one day God finally says, well, you're good enough and I'll give you myself. You get God and then God starts getting you good. God doesn't clean the outside of the cup and try to fool everybody and say, look at Robert Charles' transformation. Look how pretty and spunky he is now. God shows up in the form of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God right in the middle of the devils inside of you, right in the middle of the crack addiction inside of you, right inside of the racism inside of you, right inside of the adultery inside of you. And when that potent, powerful person of the Holy Spirit, that glory, that image of God comes right in there, all those devils start screaming, saying, I got to get out. I want meth addiction. I got to get out of here. I can't stay here anymore. Cursing. I got to get out. Filthiness. He doesn't get you cleaned up on the outside. He goes right in the middle of the filth, right in the middle of the pornography, right in the middle of the racism. He pulls up a chair next to the alcoholic at the bar stool. He pulls up a seat next to the inmate sitting on the jail cell floor. He pulls up a chair next to the guy in the crack house smoking crack. He pulls up a chair next to the guy with a rubber band in his mouth shooting a needle in his arm. He pulls up a chair at the lowest of low, the dirtiest of dirtiest, the darkest of darkest, but he's so powerful, so pertinent, so personal. When he comes in, all of it starts going, and he starts cleaning you up on the inside. He starts changing you on the inside. I can feel it working on the inside. He starts transforming your mind, transforming your heart. That glory starts changing you, and that transformation is caused none other than by the person of the Holy Spirit, not by your preacher, not by your prophet, not by your mentor, not by your sponsor, not by your daddy, not by your evangelist, not even by your best friend or your wife. That transformation starts happening by the person of the Holy Spirit. What are you harping on, Pastor? What are you drumming on now? I'm telling you, quit confusing your role with the Holy Spirit's role. I'm telling you, you're trying to do some work that the Holy Spirit was assigned by God to do. You're trying to change some things with your self-ability that will never change. You'll never get free. You can abstain. Anybody ever met a dry drunk? Anybody ever met a guy that really wishes he was out drinking when you're around him and he's just a curmudgeon? He's just negative Nancy. He's just bitter and full of poison and hatred. And really, he might be for sober 14 years. He may even be at the AA meet getting his little 14-year chill. But honestly, he's never been delivered. He's just abstaining. But when the Holy Ghost comes inside of you, he'll serve an eviction notice to addiction. He'll serve an eviction notice to racism. He'll start kicking all of that junk out. And then you'll wake up one day 14 years clean and sober. Ain't thought about a needle. Ain't thought about a crack pipe. Ain't thought about a prostitute. Ain't thought about a hatred thought towards another person of another color because you've been delivered. Because the Holy Spirit is a person of deliverance. He's the person of your freedom.
It's his job. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying stand up on your feet. I'm landing the plane. Anybody get anything out of that? Anybody got something? Give a hand to God. How about that? All in God's word. All in God's word. Hallelujah. Could I have Paley? I don't know who's here. Could I have someone maybe to come just start cultivating an atmosphere? Just anything. Just whatever you want to do. We just we just want to give some worship to him and cultivate an atmosphere in here that's conducive to God.